Hi friend, if you love the information you hear in the podcast, then you will love the free mini series of videos that I've put together just for you. It's all about the biblical blueprint for health and teaches you exact principles I've taught to thousands of Christian women that result in weight loss, better sleep, increased energy, clearer skin, and sharper brains. You can go to thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries to grab this free set of short, powerful teachings that will show you how to create better health God's way. It's at thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries. Go check it out now. Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I am sitting here in great gratitude for God's goodness and the way he opens doors and facilitates connections with people whom I respect and admire. Today's guest is a perfect example of that. He is the creator of the well-known and respected Root Cause Protocol and the author of the book, Cure Your Fatigue, which is required reading for all of our students in the School of Christian Health and Nutrition. This book blew my mind, and I'm pretty sure it's blowing minds across the holistic health world, and hopefully we'll do the same in the conventional medicine world as well. Our guest is passionate, a passionate educator and champion of helping people regain their health and exposing the missing links in modern medicine. I am so honored to have him here. Welcome Morley Robbins to the Christian Health Club podcast. Well, thank you, Chelsea. Delighted to be here. There's so much that we could talk about today. You graciously offered to come back so that we can discuss the vast amount of information you have uncovered over your years of research. So that gives me a little peace, like I don't have to cram it all in in one episode. (laughs) I think today I would like to start with magnesium. I've told people over the years that it's a pretty safe bet you're deficient in magnesium, and that's it's one of those supplements that you, you know, probably a good idea to take regularly. You are known as the magnesium man. And so I think it's a good place to start. And we'll also give you the opportunity to share the story of how you got into this deep rabbit hole world of minerals and how it impacts the everyday person. Absolutely. Well, I was living a very stressful life. I think we all Lead, lead that type of life, especially now, but was very active as a hospital consultant for 20 years and was pulling a suitcase behind my back for 20 years, <laughs> going through different airports, getting from one client to another. And then after doing that for a long time, my uh, right shoulder seized up. I, I developed what's called frozen shoulder. And <clears throat> very painful, couldn't sleep, and went to a health food store that I had frequented for many years and asked them what they had for a frozen shoulder. And they told me to go see Dr. Liz. And I put my arms up in a crisscross and said, no, I don't do witchcraft. 
and rejected that idea and asked them if they had some supplements. And they sold me supplements. They didn't work, of course. Went back several months later, said, you must have something stronger. And the owner looked me in the eye and she said, Morley, we love you. Go see Dr. Liz. So with my tail between my legs, I went to see Dr. Liz. And she, in two sessions, cured me of my frozen shoulder. What will surprise people is to find out that she did it not by cracking my back, but by stimulating the pterygoid muscle inside my mouth, which is the TMJ joint inside your jaw. And as she pressed on that pterygoid muscle, my arm lifted. It, it was a miracle. I've never witnessed a miracle in my life up to that point. And <clears throat> I was transformed and fascinated. And she introduced me to the world of natural healing, but she used a phrase called the innate healer about how we heal ourselves. And I thought to myself, I didn't say anything to her, but I thought to myself, if there's an innate healer, why do we have millions of doctors around the world? And so I was intrigued enough to want to start researching that. Who is the innate healer? Uh, and that's led to a almost 15-year period of daily, seven days a week, at least two to three hours a, a morning, researching scientific literature. And for some reason, <clears throat> Chelsea, I was drawn to minerals and uh, initially drawn to magnesium, as you noted, and really became quite a, a student of stress and how there's magnesium loss when we're under stress. And I think the probably the best definition of, of stress I've ever come across is by Mark Hyman. And he indicated that stress is the body's inability to make energy for the mind to respond to its situation. And that's a beautiful distillation of what stress really is. And um, I really started to dig in and see what the connection was between stress and magnesium loss. And, you know, Mildred Selig and uh, Burton and Bella Altura are probably some of the world's authorities on magnesium deficiency and stress. I studied their, their research very closely. And then it was years later, I was studying an article, a research study by some Italian iron researchers. And they indicated that uh, the greatest stress on planet Earth is from iron stress. And it was like a ton of bricks hit me. I went, oh my gosh, there's got to be a connection between iron, oxygen, oxidative stress, and it's oxidative stress that's causing the magnesium loss. And that's, in fact, exactly what it is. I, I almost felt like it must have been the, the sense of connection that uh, Sir Isaac Newton had when he's sitting under that apple tree and the apple falls on his head. And he tries to connect the dots. Of, Why did the apple fall down and not go sideways or whatever? But it was just this instant realization that uh, we all are under constant oxidative stress. And we're constantly burning up our magnesium as a result. And because we're trying to make energy, what people don't realize is that we, when we are using energy, when we're using ATP, we have to give up magnesium 
as a byproduct of that transaction. And so that magnesium goes right into our urine, goes right into the toilet every day. And, and if we're under acute stress, it's pretty intense. And if it becomes chronic, it doesn't just affect magnesium, it also affects our copper. And that's where the story got even more fascinating as I began to realize that, and again, we're talking years of, of study, but I began to realize that copper is what regulates iron. And what copper's unique ability is, it's the only element on planet Earth that can regulate iron and oxygen at the same time. And that unique property is what stems the magnesium burn rate that I talk about. When your copper is bioavailable and it's at a healthy level, you begin to get greater control over your stress. And that's the part that apparently no one had really connected those dots between copper and iron and oxygen and magnesium. And then if magnesium gets off, as you well know, that's going to affect calcium status. And then we've got a whole other series of conversations to have about that. So it's, it, I think it's absolutely beautifully designed. There's nothing short of a miracle in our body. And I've just, I've been a student of this for now 15 years, studying the interrelationships and the dynamics of our, of our environment and our mineral status within. I love, I love that. I would love for you to, as we get going here, kind of give a broad overview of why this matters to people. What, what does this affect and kind of talk about this process of our body making energy. I have introduced the idea and I've talked about the idea of mitochondria as our energy factories of the body. So my audience is aware of that. Haven't gone too deep into the way the minerals affect that process. So kind of lead us in there with making energy and that relationship between the minerals, our mitochondria, and how that works. So think of it this way. A lot of authors will say that the mitochondria are the energy factories. Let's let's, um, broaden that concept a little bit. If you go to an automobile manufacturing plant, uh, that factory produces its own energy, but it's making stuff all the while. The energy is being used to do things. And in an automobile factory, we're making cars. In a mitochondrial factory, in a metabolic factory, we're recycling things. We're recycling iron. We're recycling calcium. We're recycling urea. We're recycling amino acids. Well, there's tremendous recycling efforts inside the, the mitochondria that require energy. And what's fascinating is we, we make our body weight in ATP every day. And that's the, that's the molecule of currency. And we've got to spell currency right. It's C-U hyphen R-R-E-N-C-Y. So we see the symbol for copper because you can't make energy without copper. The, 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 
the center of the mitochondria is called the matrix. And there's 50,000 atoms of copper inside that matrix. And it's like, like an ocean of copper inside each mitochondria. And there's five complexes in our mitochondria. And complex one, four, and five absolutely require copper in the human body. Uh, in the plant, plant world, complex three requires copper. But for some reason, we're supposed to believe that it doesn't require it in, in humans and in mammals. I'm, I'm still not convinced that that's the case. So we, we have this absolute mechanical requirement for copper. And what people may not know is how much mitochondria their, their body holds. And it's 40 quadrillion uh, mitochondria. That's 15 zeros. And so we all have a, an image of the biology textbook we had in high school. There was a picture of a cell in that textbook. We probably had to memorize it. And there were two or three mitochondria in that picture. And what we didn't know was that picture was drawn by Walt Disney. And it had nothing to do with reality. That the average cell has 500 mitochondria. And the average heart cell has 2,000 mitochondria. I mean, I mean, excuse me, liver cell, 2,000. Kidney cell, 4,000. Heart cell, 10,000. Mature egg in a woman's body, 600,000 mitochondria. And we have brain cells or neurons. Some of them have as many as 2 million mitochondria, which is a very a disruptive concept of, wow, there's a lot of these little metabolic factories all over my body. And, and no one ever told me that. And no one told me that copper was the, the key, literally, uh, to make these factories work. And if we're, not, if we're not making the energy right, then we begin to lose our vitality. And there's a, a world-famous geneticist at Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania, his name is Douglas Wallace. He's the guy who figured out that um, we, as offspring, inherit the, the genetic code from our mother. The mitochondrial DNA flows from the mom. The, the cellular DNA from mom and dad, but the mitochondrial DNA flows from mom. And that's a really big deal. He probably will get a Nobel Prize at some point in his career for his, his genius and his insight. But he made a, a, a sweeping statement back in 2005 where he was talking about the blind spot of conventional medicine is that they don't understand energy deficiency. And I think he's absolutely right. As, as soon as the the body is not making enough energy. As soon as the organ and the tissue and the cells are not making enough energy, that begins to invite um, symptomatic response. We're going to get aches and pains. We're going to get some kind of dysfunction. And uh, we, can, we can go with the famous saying by Einstein, E equals MC squared. Everybody knows that formula. I don't think anyone really understands it, except for uh, Albert. But 
But the point is, I, I've changed that. We know that the E stands for energy, but the M and C is structure and function. And as soon as the energy changes, as soon as the energy production level changes in our body, well, then it starts to affect the structure and function of the tissue. And it's absolutely fascinating when you look at it from that standpoint. And what I've done is just changed the M and C to magnesium and copper. And those are the two critical minerals to make energy. And the, the number one reason, hands down, the number one reason why people go to see their doctor is because of fatigue. And that's why I, I use that phrase in my book, cure your fatigue, cure your cellular energy deficiency. And of course, I couldn't, couldn't restrain myself and I had to spell cure with a hyphen between the U and the R so people could see the, the symbol for copper. And I think, Chelsea, it's the biggest blind spot in, in all of healing is that copper is this key. It's, it's like a, it plays the role of a battery, like in, in a toy. You know, how many times have we gotten toys and devices as we were growing up that didn't have batteries included <laughs> and, and had to deal with that frustration? Well, now we're much older, we're more sophisticated, but we still need the batteries. And we're supposed to be getting these mineral batteries from our food and the food system has become compromised. As, as you and I discussed the other day, uh, it's a different world out there. And there's all sorts of challenges to making sure that the, the soil has the minerals, that the produce and the animals have the minerals, and then ultimately that the humans get the right nutrient content in their diet so that they can maintain their, um, their vitality, maintain their energy. I think a lot of times when we talk about mitochondria and making energy, a lot of people are only thinking about a level. I mean, fatigue is a huge, huge one, but they're thinking, I'm sleepy, I'm tired, I you know, can't stay awake. And it is that, and it does pull down your overall vitality, but it's also, as you were saying, the energy that is required by your organs to function. And that is, I want to always impress upon people. It is not just about, oh, I can't stay awake that long and I'm kind of tired. It is your body does not have the energy to work. And that is why this discussion and, and this work that Morley has done is so important because he's connecting dots here that have not been connected before. So, okay, let's talk about, so I think the first thing that's going to come to mind always for people is, okay, how do I get these, these important minerals? What do I eat? What do I take? Just tell me what to do. And so let's, let's kind of, but wind it back again and, and talk about where we get them, the interplay and how you would address that for people. No, it's a very important place to start. What I realized as I got into this is that it isn't just what do we need to do? It's what do we need to stop doing? And I was chatting with my oldest son, who's an engineer, and I was explaining my, my plight. And he said, well, Dad, you just need, to, need a list of what to do and what not to do. And I said, yeah, right. I guess I could have thought, thought of that, but I said, that's, that's great. And that eventually became what are called the stops and the starts of the root cause protocol. And 
what people have found is that, and there are about a dozen of each, a little more, a little less, but about, about a dozen different steps in the stops and about a dozen different steps in the starts. The starts are in phases because we're trying to ease people into a, a different way of life. And it isn't, it isn't a diet. It's a lifestyle. It's a change in, in your lifestyle. But what <clears throat> invariably surprises people are the stops where we're asking them, stop taking vitamin D, stop taking iron supplements, stop taking calcium, stop taking ascorbic acid, stop taking zinc, you know, and, and those are sort of the, the handful that just get people's attention. And what people don't realize is that those supplemental forms of nutrients work against the body's ability to make energy. But no one's ever explained it to them the way we do within the RCP. And so a lot of people find that they feel better just by doing the stops, just by getting this, these uh, misdirected nutrients out of their daily routine. Uh, it's a very powerful step in the right direction. But um, then we get into the starts and we phase it in so people start to get the minerals that they need, start to nourish their adrenals because the adrenals have been so taxed uh, during people's lifetimes, certainly over the last four years. We've, we've been through untold stress since 2020. And I don't think people realize the price that their body has paid because of that chronic stress. And so it's just important for people to realize that well, the body is stressed. And when there is stress, there's mineral loss. But the minerals that matter the most are magnesium and copper. And no one's put it in that context before. And the way I characterize it is that, that a lot of authors will tell you that the minerals are all equal. We need all of them. We need all 82 or 92, depending upon the author. And I'm like, no, they're not all equal. They are a hierarchy. And copper is hands down at the very top. And even though it's a very small amount of our body, it's the general. And iron, which is also very important, is a grunt. It's the, it's the foot soldier. And you don't have to be in the military to know that generals are more important than grunts. They've got more brass on their shoulders, right? And what's brass made out of? Copper. And... and <clears throat> By law, it's interesting, I looked it up. By law, in the U.S. Army, there's 242 generals. And by law, there's 440,000 foot soldiers. Wow. 242 versus 440,000. Well, in our body, it's a tighter ratio. It's about one copper general to 50 uh, foot soldiers, iron foot soldiers. And that's the importance and the power of copper. So the things that people need to do is they've, they've got to be willing to step outside um, the narrative of the mainstream um, message. Oh, you need to do X, Y, Z. It's like if you're getting your information from your doctor or your neighbor or the Internet, there's a good chance it may not be um, the cold, hard reality of what we talk about in the root cause protocol. And again, it's not a criticism of the doctors. They are doing what they've been trained to do. They're wonderful people, brilliant minds, great hearts, but their training 
is very flawed and very limited, and they don't know that. And a lot of doctors confuse their training with the truth. They're not the same. And I didn't know that. I mean, I, again, I worked in a, the healthcare field for 32 years. I really had a lot of respect for doctors by virtue of their years and years and years of training. But now, over the last you know 15 years, I've come to realize just how biased and how restricted their education is. And they don't they don't know what nutrition is, and they don't know what minerals are. I, I tease them that their their degree stands for mineral denialist, and I I further rub it in by telling them that their diploma is printed on Swiss cheese, and there's glaring holes in what they know. Uh, and the better doctors laugh when I say that, and they they acknowledge that you know I do have limitations. But I think it's important for people to realize that there's a, there is a beautiful design to our body. And when the right nutrients are coming in, when we get the minerals that we need, when we get the mineral, excuse me, the vitamin complexes that we need, when we get our vitamin A and D in something like cod liver oil, which is what our ancestors used for a century, it has a way of igniting the energy. And then we can ignore the enemies. And people just have got to realize that there is a, a blueprint for our body's design, and that blueprint runs on energy. And that's really what we try to do within the RCP. So it's a, it's a phased approach. Get the, get the stops under your belt and then start to do phase one, two, and three. But focus on, wherever possible, food-based forms of the nutrients we talk about. And, you know, I think that the... the the next most important thing is to get out of the way. Let the body do what it's designed to do when it has the right nutrients coming in via the, the diet and via um, a targeted supplement program like we talk about. Yes, and you have these recommendations in your book, and you have some of them on your website. You're very generous in your in your information and what you share I can't move forward without addressing the vitamin D thing because I know that's that's going to a lot of people are going to go what? I thought I was supposed to be super dosing vitamin D especially, you know, to avoid covid and flu season and all that and I've been trying to educate people that that is not the best course of action. Could you discuss that a little bit more and why you like cod liver oil as a a, a better option? Well, I like cod liver oil because it's balanced, because it has uh, 10 times more vitamin A than vitamin D. And that's what Mother Nature wants. That's, that's the composition. What people have been, um, the phrase I use is we've been trained like circus bears. Um, and I'm hoping that some of your listeners have actually been to a circus and seen a circus bear wearing the pink tutu, riding a bike, wearing a silly little hat. And that's us following the mainstream medicine recommendations. But um, a lot of people got caught up uh, back in 2020 taking what was called the COVID cocktail, ascorbic acid, vitamin D. And by, by exorbic acid, you mean vitamin C or what is supposed to be vitamin C? Well, ascorbic acid is a synthetic poison that is not 
the whole food vitamin C complex. Right. So people, but they're thinking they're taking vitamin C, but they're taking something that is not that. And, and we could have, we could spend an entire hour just talking about that topic alone. And, and I know we don't have that opportunity right now, but the important thing is there's a massive difference between whole food vitamin C complex and ascorbic acid. And it's a difference between your car and the cover of your car. And ascorbic acid is not doing what you think it's doing. But the important thing is that, that those three combined are a perfect way to destroy the bioavailability of copper. Then people are thinking, well, wait, I, I thought that copper was bad for me. I thought it was copper toxic. And that's part of the meme. The, the meme that really runs medicine, Chelsea, as you know, is you're anemic and you're copper toxic. Get more iron and let's get rid of that pesky copper. And the truth of the matter is, and again, this is after 15 years of research, 10,000 articles that I've read, I can, without reservation, tell folks you are drowning in iron because you don't have enough bioavailable copper in your body. And that's a very disruptive message for people to hear. But the people who have the staying power to listen to that and begin to read about it and listen to other podcasts really begin to adopt a completely different lifestyle and they feel better for it. But the, the, the other thing that people need to know is that the person that was recommending that COVID cocktail died over a year ago from cancer. So I'm not sure how credible that individual was as a source of that information, but, but there, we have an entire program within the RCP. It's called the, the Master's Series. And there's an hour and a half presentation where I go into in excruciating detail why vitamin D is not your friend, why the D stands for disinformation, why the D stands for uh, disease. And it's a very unsettling series of, of concepts for people to piece together because you're absolutely right. They were convinced that this was why I, I you know, escaped whatever. And it's like, no, it's, it's all deception. It's all disinformation. And in my world, based on my research, I would say that the retinol, the vitamin A that's been missing in the American diet since Eisenhower had his first heart attack in September of 1955, the vitamin A is 100 times more important than the vitamin D. And in fact, <clears throat> it, isn't, it isn't the storage D that's doing the work. It's actually the active D that most people have never heard of. And you can't get the active D without magnesium. It's another reason why magnesium is so important. But the active D needs to have a driver. It's called the VDR, vitamin D receptor. That's the driver. And it needs to have a navigator. And there's a nuclear receptor called the RXR that is really critical for um, the proper functioning of active D working with VDR and RXR. They, they are a triad that, that work together to activate the immune system in a very special way. So these are details that people have never heard of. These are details I'm, I'm, I'm not sure most doctors know. And when doctors do a vitamin D blood test, 
they're only they're only looking at storage level. They're not looking at the active level. Well, what people need to know is that it's not a it's not a vitamin. This is actually this metabolite is actually a hormone. And every other hormone that doctors measure, they always measure active and storage status. But for this metabolite, for some reason, we're just supposed to blow past the active and we're just going to look at the storage. And it violates the whole premise of how hormones work in our body and how they're measured in our blood. And again, if you're not aware of that, you don't know to question it. Well, people now following your work now know that they need to ask better questions and they need to demand better answers because people don't realize how manipulated the information is that we make our decisions on. And I, I for one, I decided I was frustrated by that and I was going to do something about it. And I've, I've been talking against vitamin D only supplementation for 15 years. And it's a lonely field. There, there, there actually are about a dozen practitioners like myself who speak very strongly against it. Uh, but we are, we are clearly the minority and most people um, are still in the, in the dark uh, and, and I think it's time for that um, to change. So I appreciate the chance to speak to that. I often describe to people when we're, you know, these vitamins, these minerals, these different things we're taking, they all are supposed to work and have a synergistic relationship, which we find the best in nature. And there are certain vitamins and minerals that are supposed to work in a kind of together vitamin A and D is one example. And I, I often say it's like frenemies, like they're friends but, and it's like they need each other to work, but they compete and shouldn't be one more than the other. So vitamin A and D are in that situation as are zinc and copper. And, and so that is why taking, you know, taking these amounts of vitamin D or zinc are, can affect those statuses. I hear a lot of people warn against vitamin A uh, toxicity. What are your thoughts about that? <clears throat> the, the, the two uh, ideas of copper toxicity and vitamin A toxicity, I regard as just completely laughable. And what people don't know is that those two nutrients need to be in, in um, tandem with each other. They are, they are uh, a one-two punch inside our body. The vitamin A toxicity that people talk about, uh, it's within the world of GMO, where there's rampant copper deficiency, uh, because glyphosate, Roundup, is a perfect chelator of copper. People need to know that. Uh, and again, people thinking, well, copper's toxic. I don't, I don't want copper. Actually, glyphosate is the toxin. It's, it is absolutely poison on this planet. And the other downside to vitamin A is the synthetic form of it, the retinyl palmitate that people are taking in their supplements is not a natural form. Uh, it's a test tube form. And it doesn't react well in a body that doesn't have copper. And so uh, Mother Nature uh, intended us to get our retinol, our vitamin A, 
from pastured eggs, from grass-fed butter, from grass-fed heavy cream, from grass-fed liver, from cod liver oil. Those are incredibly powerful and balanced sources of retinol that our body works very well on. And the part that, that no one knows about is that there's really critical uh, enzymes in our body. Uh, these particular enzymes are called copper pumps, like a water pump. And one is called ATP7A. It's also called the Menke's gene. Another is called ATP7B, and it's called the Wilson's gene. And Menke's and Wilson were two physicians. Uh, Wilson was in 1912 in England, and Menke's was in 1962. I think he was in Philadelphia or New York. But they discovered that these, when these pumps don't work, you've got problems with copper. And what makes those pumps work is retinol. Retinol is the battery pack for those enzymes. And what, is those, what are those enzymes doing? Well, ATP7B makes a very important copper protein called ceruloplasmin that most people have never heard of. And it's the master antioxidant protein in the body. It has many, many, many different functions. Most people have never heard of it. Most practitioners have never heard of it. And ATP7A is making a dozen other critical enzymes that are copper dependent. And let me give the, the listeners just a, a context of what we're talking about. 45% of our body is connective tissue. 45% of the cells of our body is connective tissue. Arteries, veins, cartilage, ligaments, tendons, all sorts of connective tissue throughout the body. And what makes connective tissue is the blending of collagen, which everyone sees advertised now. Oh, get your collagen. Well, collagen is strength. It's a protein that has strength to it. And the other uh, protein that's critically important is called elastin. And so strength needs to be blended with elastin to give the tissue its integrity, which is a blend of strength and flexibility. One enzyme knits those two proteins together. And that enzyme is called lysyl oxidase, and it's copper dependent. There's another example would be we we're talking about the mitochondria. Again, 40 quadrillion mitochondria. Well, the make or break enzyme is complex four. It's the color of the sky when there's no clouds in it. Sky blue, just like ceruloplasmin, sky blue. And there's a reason for that. But, but that complex is found in all 40 quadrillion mitochondria. It doesn't work without copper. And that, that enzyme is called cytochrome C oxidase. Anytime you see the word oxidase, you can pretty well bet oxygen's involved and it requires copper to harness the energy of that oxygen. And these are just two examples of a dozen that we could talk about. These little-known enzymes that have a wide impact inside our body that no one is aware of. 
No one, no one knows about the, the role of tyrosinase. Very, it's, the, it's the engine of the vitamin C complex. Well, ty tyrosinase has two copper atoms inside it. And that's what makes melanin work. And people have been trained that melanin is just hair color, eye color, skin color. When in fact, it's all the colors inside our body. If people knew how vibrant the colors of our organs were, that the spleen is, is purple, that the, the liver is a very deep red brown, that the gallbladder is green. I mean, there's some amazing colors inside our body. And then when you get inside the, the, the cells, there's color there as well. But, but the point is, all of those colors from yellow to black are the, are the responsibility of one enzyme called melanin. And if melanin doesn't have its battery pack called tyrosinase, then it doesn't work. And again, these, these orders of magnitude of, of impact that, that copper has inside our body is completely lost on a world that believes the medical meme, you're anemic and you're copper toxic. And all I did was realize that the narrative was 180 degrees from the truth. And as I began to, to delve into it, that's what led me into all of these discoveries of all of these amazing chemical reactions and chemical activities that are why we're here. And, and the reason why we're able to have this kind of engaged conversation, Chelsea, on very sophisticated technology is because higher order thinking and higher order technology requires greater energy. And how do we do that? We harnessed the fuel that was in our environment. We harnessed the sugars and the fats, and we oxidized them. And we went from uh, fermenting our sugars, which is what lower life forms do, and they get two ATP. And when we oxidized and activated the sugars, lo and behold, we got 32 to 34 ATP. But when we oxidized and activated the fats in the presence of oxygen, we got 140 ATP. And so that's a quantum level difference to go from two to 140. And that, what happened was we began to harness the oxygen on the planet and, and really convert it into a mechanism to create more energy so we could deal with the stress of our environment. And that's the beauty of copper is all of that comes at the, at the courtesy of bioavailable copper. And what makes copper bioavailable is retinol, vitamin A, running those copper pumps. And I, I think it's a, it's a beautiful story and it's, but it's not a fable, it's fact. And people need to understand the story of human metabolism in a way that they can relax and, and really surrender to the beauty of our body's design. Our, our, our maker and mother nature knew exactly what they were doing when they created the human species. And it's been violated, in my, in my humble opinion, it's been violated over the last century. Uh, ever since... Well, the beginning of the 1900s, there's just been this methodical, orchestrated process of changing farming, changing food processing, 
and changing pharmaceuticals to the detriment of the human metabolism. And that's, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But I appreciate the chance to have this exchange with you to give more people an awareness of what um, there's more to the story, and they need to understand that. There's a lot more to the story. So is it safe to say most people are copper deficient, vitamin A deficient, and if we know magnesium deficient, iron toxic? Is that a fair thing to say? And if so, kind of explain that. And and how do we know if we are copper deficient? Maybe aside from being tired or things not working, is there a test? Where do we supplement? Do where is the best place to get it from? Food, all of those things. No, I I developed. I, I didn't invent the test. I just took different blood markers that existed and put them into what I call the full Monty iron panel. I think I sent you the link for that. And it's a very simple test to interpret. And and if we have a chance, we might even do that for you or other members of your family, just to experience the the ease and simplicity of it. But it, but it looks at, I guess it's 13 or 14 different markers. What um, it is a safe bet. People may not show, again, we've been taught to think in terms of low and high. Low is bad or high is good or, or vice versa, depending upon the, what we're talking about. But I despise those words. And what I like to talk about is, is it bioavailable? And what we need to understand, especially with, with copper, is copper bioavailable? Is it properly complex with its protein ceruloplasmin. And if you want your iron to be functional, you want your copper to be bioavailable. Now, the part where everyone gets confused is anemia. And there really are two forms of anemia. There's iron deficiency anemia, which I would argue is very rare on this planet, unless you've been in a car accident and you're bleeding out. Uh, it, it takes a massive amount of blood loss to create true iron deficiency. What I encourage people not to confuse is don't confuse iron deficiency with iron dysfunction. And what makes iron dysfunctional is copper that's not bioavailable. And so there's a term that's used in the in the field of chronic kidney disease, it's very prevalent in the, in the literature, and it's called functional, functional iron deficiency. And they know that that functional deficiency is caused by a lack of copper. They openly talk about it, but only within the world of kidney disease, which is laughable because it's everywhere. And so when... When the general is missing or is weakened, um, the iron is going to show low in the blood work, but it's actually high in the tissue. And the reason for that is that there is an iron recycling program that everyone is engaged in 24-7. You and I have been talking now for almost an hour And every second of every day, we need to replace 
two and a half million red blood cells every second. So in an hour, that's 60 times 60 times two and a half million. That's a lot of red blood cells. And in the course of 24 hours, it's two trillion red blood cells need to be replaced. And what will surprise people is to learn that it only takes 25 milligrams of iron to replace two trillion red blood cells. It's not a lot. It's a very small amount. And the average person has about 5,000 milligrams of iron in their body. But each and every day, we only need 25 milligrams. But here's the part that will really shock people is to find out that 24 of those 25 milligrams are coming from a recycling program that's enabled by copper. And the critical step in that recycling program is to release iron out the back door of the cell. And it's a, a channel called ferroportin, iron doorway, ferroportin. And, and the doorman is a copper doorman to open up that doorway. And that's not taught. That's a fact. That's exactly what happens. And the, the, the full story is not being taught to practitioners. And I think that's wrong. And so the way I characterize it, and I don't want to cause offense to anybody, but in, in many respects, um, the, 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 the mystery and the, the amazing qualities of copper are not unlike Jesus Christ. And doctors are like Hasidic Jews. They would, they would tell you that, that Jesus was at best a good carpenter. But they don't, they don't believe what the Bible tells us. And so I think people need to realize is that there is a, an inherent bias in their training and they don't respect minerals, and they certainly don't respect the hierarchy of minerals, and they absolutely believe that everyone on the planet is anemic, and when they see a low iron panel on a blood test, they have been trained, they have been trained to be certain that that means that the person needs more iron. Well, what I've learned through the course of my research through the, the 7,500 consults that I've done, the 1,000 people that I've trained in my training program, is that in fact, what's missing is bioavailable copper. And people perk up like plants being watered after they've gotten dehydrated. And so I think if there's, if there's anything that I can do before I leave this planet, before I kick the bucket, I want to just completely dispel this idea of iron deficiency anemia I think it's the most offensive lie on this planet. And I'm absolutely certain of it. Uh, and there are other people who agree with me, but we, again, are in the minority. But, but I think one of my favorite, one of my very favorite sayings comes from the Harry Potter series. So you get the breadth of my reading, not just the Bible, but Harry Potter as well. And, and I can't remember which book it is, but but Harry Potter says there's a difference between doing what's easy and doing what's right. And I'm all about what's right. And I think the mainstream narrative is all about easy. 
the simple lie versus the complex truth. And I think people are getting an appreciation that my answers to your questions are not yes and no. They involve a lot of sentences that begin to introduce concepts and variables that many people have never even heard before. And, and I think it's time for people to wake up and really understand the beautiful design of our body, that it, it's not complicated to support it, but you need to get well beyond the mainstream narrative, which in my humble opinion is a complete violation of what our maker and mother nature designed us to be. Well, it's so alarming to think that people are prescribed and recommended iron when they don't need it. And I'd like you to explain the effects of that and how harmful it is to have that excessive iron in the body. Well, it's that's a great question. One of my colleagues is a naturopath. And she's meeting with a client literally as we speak right now. And this woman has been taking 300 milligrams of iron every day for several years. And she still has anemia. The technical term for it is called refractory anemia, resistant anemia. Well, when something is resistant after years and years and years, it means that you're going up the wrong tree. And again, what, what I think is hard for people to believe is that, you know, the, the nutrient tables tell me I need 25 milligrams of iron a day. Well, you do for that recycling program, but we're designed to have a, access to 24 or the 25 is meant to be recycled. That's the beauty of, of our body. And, and again, our ancestors who grew up on farms, what was the dominant word that ran the farm? It's called recycle. Recycle. And we recycled sunlight. We recycled seed. We recycled waste, right? Everything got recycled. Everything was recycled on the farm. And then Industrial Revolution comes along, late, what, 18, 1870s, something like that. And people started to leave the farm and they went to what? The factory. And what's the word that runs the factory? Replace. You need a new car. You need a new toaster. You need a new oven. And so everything was about replacement. Well, that's a very different philosophy than recycle. And it turns out that the human body is a giant recycling program. And who's in charge of the recycling programs in our body? a factory worker called copper that needs to be replaced every day in our diet. And no one's ever told people that, that there are these elegant systems of recycling that require batteries, require energy, and they all come at the, at the direction of bioavailable copper. And so if that copper is not there to recycle iron, and people keep going to the doctor and showing up with a low blood iron on their blood test, it means that the iron is stuck in the tissue. Again, we live on a planet where iron is the number one element on planet Earth. 36% of the Earth's composition is iron. We live with a food system 
where they've been fortifying food since 1941 with iron filings to begin with. And there's now nine different forms of iron that are added to our food. When you look on the label, it'll say enriched or fortified. Well, the only people getting rich are the food manufacturers. We're getting weaker because they keep shoving iron down our throat. And so at every turn, it's either fortified food or it's supplements that have an outrageous number of amount of iron. I've, I've seen prenatal vitamins that have as much as 65 milligrams of iron a day. Again, that's two months worth of iron a day. This woman that I talked about a minute ago, she was taking almost a year's worth of iron, 300 milligrams a day for several years. Well, that iron builds up in the tissue. It gets stuck in the tissue and it creates rust. It creates symptoms. It disrupts the flow of the mitochondrial metabolic factories. Because what, what does the mitochondria have to do? It has to recycle that iron and turn it back into heme and turn it back into iron sulfur clusters so that they, that iron can be reused, get it back to the bone marrow so it can be made into new red blood cells. Again, 2.5 million times a second. It's, a, it's a, one of the most important aspects of our physiology and no one has any awareness of it. Most of all, the doctors, which I find shocking. They, they have no concept that there is this recycling program running our body, enabling this constant replenishment of the, the very cells that carry the oxygen to the mitochondria so it can be activated, turned into water to release the energy so we can go about our day. It's a, again, it's a beautiful design, and it's not complicated. You just need to know that there are moving parts. And so the, the iron that gets stuck festers. It does create rust. And when that rust starts to build, it begins to create energy deficiency in the factories, in the metabolic factories. And that loss of energy creates cellular energy deficiency that Douglas Wallace talks about. And depending upon where you uh, what, what you worry about, what, what, what emotional dynamic defines you, you know, it's going to affect different parts of your body more than others. If you're a worrier, it's going to affect your spleen. If you tend to, to be angry about the world, it's going to be your liver. If you're fearful about the world, it's going to be your kidneys, and so on and so forth. And, and that's the beauty of traditional Chinese medicine, is that they've identified emotional patterns to the different organs. And if you have a dominant emotional pattern, it will affect that organ. And it's just, it just adds to the, um, I think, the, the, the charm and the beauty of how the body works. But it's important for people to realize that this idea of low iron on the blood test is like a dipstick. Oh, I need more iron. No, it's like miles per gallon. The iron is low on the blood because there's a series of variables that aren't working right. And if you have low miles per gallon in your car, you can fill up the whole car with gasoline. It's not going to run better. You're not going to get better mileage. You've got to begin to change timing lights and compression ratios and air pressure in your tires. And there are a lot of things you've got to check, probably a dozen different variables that need to be adjusted to get better miles per gallon. 
It isn't just adding more gas. And my, and my criticism of the system is everything about anemia has been reduced to more iron. And it's, it, it's, it's an insult to our intellect and our integrity. The body is more beautifully designed than that. And we, we again, we live on a planet that is very rich with iron. We live with a food system that's very rich with iron. We live with a supplement system that's very rich with iron. But the one mineral that they never talk to us about, or the two that they never really talk to us about, are magnesium and copper for a reason, because they're the ones that create energy. And they don't want us having the level of energy that we need to respond to our stressful environments. Hmm. So, and not to open a big um, can of worms right here at the end, and, and we won't accept that I, <laughs> I do want to say that you point out in your book that cholesterol, which is an antioxidant, which is kind of like our fireman coming to spray down inflammation. You know, when we talk about this resting in our body from this iron dysregulation, you know, and we think of all the people that their doctors say, oh, you have high cholesterol and you need to be on a statin. And of course, you know, everything that you're pointing out would lead to the fact that this is one of the major reasons somebody might have a higher cholesterol uh, presence, correct? Well, yeah, we've known since 1973 by the work of Leslie M. Clavet. He's, it's actually a guy. He's an MD, PhD. In 1973, he's the guy that figured out that lack of copper caused cholesterol to rise. It's well, well established. I've got, a, I've got a, a textbook in my study uh, from 1992. It's 250 pages long. And the whole book is about the copper's role in lipid metabolism. And we, I could just, I could go on for a couple of hours about the different things that the copper needs to do to enable proper cholesterol levels, proper triglyceride levels, proper fatty acid oxidation. And the important thing about Dr. Clavet's work, it isn't just that it was one guy who was trying to buck the system. 30 labs, 30 independent labs have confirmed his findings. Lo and behold, yeah, copper is a critical nutrient to keep the body in regulation and prevent the rise of cholesterol. And the, the part that everyone missed is, why is cholesterol leaving the liver where it's needed and going into the bloodstream? What does that when copper is deficient? <laughs> and when iron gets the upper hand, that's what trips the wire. And so it's just, it, it's hard to fathom that these two metals, copper and iron, have such a critical relationship with each other. They're actually joined at the hip of this protein, ceruloplasmin. They, don't, they, they, they are absolutely inter, interdependent. And we've been taught to believe that high cholesterol is a disease, when in fact cholesterol is one of the first chemicals that appeared on planet Earth, and that the best way to, t to treat it is with statins, which is just another poison that people are being introduced to. And... And what does that, what does statin do? It really messes up the liver and it causes people to get high blood sugar. Your, your blood sugars can rise 40 to 60 points by taking statins, which are disrupting the natural rhythm and flow of, of activity in the liver. And no one talks about that. 
And there's a, one of my students is a, a physician in Texas. And she first thing she does with her clients is take them off statins and their diabetes goes away. So it's just, we, we live in a very different world than our grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents. And we just need to be um, better prepared to take action. We need to be better informed about what's really going on. And I really, I commend you for a program like this so people can get a very different, but a very informative uh, view of what's really going on inside our body. Well, I thank you. And before we kind of wind down and I ask you my anchor questions, which I ask all of my guests at the end, I'd like to leave the audience with just some kind of tangibles of what they can do. So could you give us a little bit of a few recommendations? We've already talked about maybe cod liver oil instead of vitamin D. What about uh, magnesium? Do you have a form of magnesium that you prefer? And, you know, I'm thinking when I think of copper uh, and iron, I, I think of something like liver as a, as a good source of maybe getting some copper. So just maybe some sources and some tangibles of things that people can do right now. Yeah. So for, for folks who want to do a, a deeper dive, get into the specifics, I think you've mentioned the book it would be a wonderful, the front half of the book is what's the problem, back half is what's the solution. As you noted, there's a website, rcp123.org, uh, and you can request just the RCP handbook. And it's a 50-page document that goes into great detail about uh, the stops and the starts and has specific recommendations on, on uh, various forms. Uh, if you want to get to the, to the bottom, bottom line, I would just tell people to go to Formula IQ. Or, or the, I think the website is actually activatefiq.com. And what's going to pop up are a real um, proven set of nutrients that are going to support the RCP. It's going to be the bulk of what you need in order to get started. What you want is, magne from the standpoint of magnesium, you want five milligrams per pound body weight. I think most people need at least two milligrams of copper a day, I think it may be closer to four to six. So that's at least one. I've got a copper supplement. It's called Recuperate. And the beauty of it is it has both desiccated beef liver and spirulina. So it's got kind of a surf and turf thing going. And it's got a little bit of turmeric and boron, but it's got the copper bisglycinate. And it's, talk about a game-changing mineral or game-changing supplement. That supplement is really helping people shift their metabolism. But I think the historically the sources for copper have been nuts and seeds, uh, mollusks in terms of seafood, certainly organ meats, especially liver. The challenge we face, Chelsea, as you and I discussed uh, a couple of days ago, um, if, the, if the soil does not have the minerals, you can't expect the food to have it. And I think we live in a very compromised world now and if people are relying on nutrient tables, they need to understand that those nutrient tables haven't really been updated since the 1950s. And that's a very sobering thing to hear. That farming has changed dramatically, dramatically in the last 60 years. And so uh, people are putting a lot of stock in modern nutrient tables that have a lot of eye candy that they go to get online, 
but the guts of the program haven't changed since they were little. And so I think we, we live in a very different world of what's what's the truth, what's the real accuracy of the information that I'm using. And I would encourage people to find farmers markets, find the regenerative farmers in those farmers markets, have a really heart-to-heart conversation with those regenerative farmers to find out what are you doing to rebuild the soil that you depend on for your produce and for your animals. And, and really ask the tough questions. And those are not easy conversations to have, but they are very important conversations. And I think people need to learn to have those types of conversations in their community to make sure they're getting access to, to the right kind of food. But there are multiple sources where this information is available. And I think that the, the challenge now is finding the right kind of food and the reason why we have such an emphasis on supplements is it's next to impossible to get all these nutrients in the food system. You know, 50 years from now, hopefully, God willing, it won't be that way. But right now, we have a very compromised farming system. Um, and I don't blame the farmers. I blame the, the people who've been um, feeding them information uh, over the last couple generations. But we just have to do the best we can. Uh, with the resources we have at our at our disposal. That is the truth. And we could go on about that for a long time. And maybe we can in another conversation. I want to thank you so much for your time today. Before I let you go, I always ask my guests two questions. One is, what is your anchor meal? I'm really curious about this for you. What is one of your go-to healthy meals that you eat often? Well, pretty boring. Uh, I eat I eat bacon and eggs and uh, toast slathered with butter every day. I just think it's one of the most nutritious meals we can get. What you want to hear me say is that I have beef liver regularly, which I do. I try to get, you know, seafood, you know, oysters or crabs or, or clams and things like that. But again, I don't know that the, the, that the nutrients are there that I've that I grew up with, you know, I was born in 1952. That was a different era than it is today. But I, I think those are, are really wonderful foods. And then one of my favorite anchor foods, you know, having connected now with with a Cajun, is to eat a lot of the foods that you would find in, in Louisiana. And you know, they just they're very rich with their seafoods, of course. Um, but their, their soups and, and just the gumbo is just amazing. And uh, it's just chock full of sausages and seafoods and, and things like that. So I, wherever possible, we're trying to find nutrient-dense food. Uh, and, and my real guide, Chelsea, is Weston A. Price, a wonderful champion of, of good food, healthy eating, um, did amazing research back in the 1920s with his wife, Isabel, and that's my overarching guide and wherever possible. We try to honor that with our with our meals. I love his teachings. I was trained on trained on his work. And hey, listen, I think eggs and bacon is a wonderful answer. And I people ask me stuff and I'm like, listen, it's boring. It's eggs, it's bacon, it's beef patties, it's it's basic, it's delicious though. <laughs> and that's I do the same thing. Okay, last question. What is your anchor verse? 
a Bible verse that is just a lifelong favorite or maybe one that is resonating with you presently? Well, it's Psalms 23. That's, that's been probably my lifelong um, anchor verse, if you will, because I think we're all walking through a valley of the shadow. And it's a, these are very challenging times. What I would share with people, for those who are kind of intrigued by what they've heard today, you can Google my name, and there is a, a talk I gave in March of 2020, and you can think back, oh, that was an interesting time. And I talked about three words, fear, faith, and cure. What people need to know, particularly as it, as it relates to Psalms 23, I will fear no evil. Well, I spell fear differently. And it's F-E hyphen A-R. And that way you see the symbol for iron. And what the word becomes is iron activates rust. And what people don't realize is that when they are in a state of fear, they become a magnet for iron, and the level of iron rises in the body in a chronic state of fear. And so what I'm really trying to teach people is have no fear. Fear not. How many times does it appear in the Bible? Hundreds and hundreds of times. There's all sorts of numbers that you'll hear. It's, it's at least several hundred times. And I think there's a reason for that. Uh, I've talked about cure. But what the word becomes when you put a hyphen between the U and the R is it becomes copper regulates everything. It's important for people to know that. And, and, and I've also changed what the word faith means. And I'm, I'm a very faithful guy. I think you get that. But sometimes people need an, an acronym just to, to really anchor their understanding. And what does the word faith become? food, and information that heals. And that's really what the root cause protocol is about. Food and information that heals. And, and when can we be in concert with the Lord? When we have energy and we're not afraid. And I think it's important for people to realize that the, just the sheer elegance of our, our body's design not just the physical and the mental, but the spiritual design of our body. And, and, and I think the, the, one of the properties of copper that are the most important is it has a magnetic attraction for light. I would argue that it's our connection back to source. Copper is that, if you will, that energetic connection and I think it's important for people to realize the spiritual dimension of what we talk about in the Root Cause Protocol. And I don't often talk about that. I, I re was really looking forward to this conversation because I could really be in a, in a setting and an environment where people would really like, they would enjoy that, enjoy hearing that, enjoy acting on that. So hopefully that gives you a better sense of what anchors my philosophy. And I appreciate the chance to, to share that. Oh, you're speaking our language, Morley. I, I absolutely adore that. That was fantastic. 
I appreciate your time today, and I look forward to having you on again in the future. Again, tell everybody where to find your information before we go. Yeah. Website, rcp123.org, root cause protocol. Uh, There are social media sites. There's the Magnesium Advocacy Group. There's the RCP page on Facebook. There's an Instagram page. Again, just Google my name. You're going to see hundreds of podcast interviews like this. And for the for the courageous few that want to reach out to me personally, be my guest. It's my my email is my first and last name, Morley Robbins at gmail.com. It's M-O-R-L-E-Y-R-O-B-B, two B's, I-N-S at Gmail. And for those precious few who want to call me, it's my phone number is area code 847-922-8061. And people, the hosts always kind of they, they become a poxic when I give out my phone number. But I do it for a reason. I want people to know I'm serious about helping. And if, and if you have a situation that you want uh, my perspective on, I'm honored to be able to help you and, and look forward to that conversation. So thanks for the opportunity to have this conversation. Thank you. And I'm telling you, everybody, that's how that's the kind of generous guy that Morley is, just right there. Thank you so much for being here, Morley. Thank you all for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon. Hi, everyone. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.